we're going to be looking at the book of Galatians. We're going into chapter 5. A couple of years ago, we looked at the book of Galatians. We went through the whole book. And uh, someone once said, if you want to grow in God, read the book of Galatians. But a couple of years ago, I, I kind of read the book almost every day for a while. It's a life-changing book. And it could be defined as, it's the book about heaven's freedom. That could be the sub-theme. And we're jumping in at chapter 5, because chapter 5 is really where the Apostle Paul lands it in its practical application. He's gone around the whole thing of the importance of believing in chapters 1 to 4 about a no to legalism. Then in chapter 5 he says, okay, how does this impact how you and I live? And so we're going to look at verse 1 of chapter 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Amen. It's almost, we get really caught up with the question, what's God's will for my life? You know, what's your will for my life? Should I take that job or not that job? Um, should I go here? Should I go there? And God's will is actually your enjoyment of freedom. That it's wow. for freedom That's that Christ has set us free. That God's greatest intention for us is that we enjoy the freedom that he has made possible through the life, the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. That freedom, our enjoyment of freedom is more important than so many of the day-to-day decisions that just rack us with questions. How many of you wake up in the morning and say, I today will live completely, utterly free in the good news of Jesus. I won't be partially free, I'll be wonderfully, completely, absolutely free. How many of you get preoccupied with that? And that's what this book is doing. It's uh, setting us up for living wonderfully, completely, not partially free. Wow. And we might say, what does freedom even look like? What does it even mean to live free? What is freedom? And how do we get freedom? What is it? And how do I get it? And I want to look at freedom from four angles. That freedom is about desire. Mm. That freedom is about ability. That freedom is about opportunity to express desire and to express ability. And that freedom in Christ, the kind of freedom that God gives, is a freedom that has no regret attached to it. Okay, so we'll look at those four things. So, you might do all the right things. Yeah? And however we define all the right things classically within the churches, you might be a get up in the morning and you read your Bible kind of person. And you... You get up in the morning and you pray a lot and you never miss an opportunity to share the gospel. And you might be sometimes at church at every meeting. But if you've got no desire for any of those things, you are not actually free. It's not freedom to do a whole bunch of things that you have absolutely no desire for. You might say, I'm changing, I'm growing, I'm maturing, I've got the willpower to grip my teeth and overcome everything. But if you've got no desire to grow, to mature, you just think, oh well that's what a good believer does. They just keep the rules. They just do what they're meant to do. We don't call that freedom. Nobody calls that freedom. 
Haven't you seen those movies where you see people who are amazing athletes and it looks like they're kind of flying as they run, but really behind them is a driven mum or a driven dad. And it looks like they are amazing and they're running and they're beating world records. And then you hear their story. Really, I had no desire for it. I had no pleasure in it. I was just told to do that because mum and dad had a huge ambition for me. Nobody calls that freedom. So it's not freedom to do the right activities with no desire. It's not freedom to obey God out of fear. That's not freedom. It's not freedom to do the right thing because you're performing. And it's not freedom to try and do lots and lots of good stuff because you're trying to bribe God for a blessing. (laughs) You know, if I keep all the rules, God, you owe me. You owe me. You owe me. That's not freedom. That the... We'll qualify this, because I think this next sentence might make some of you get nervous. (laughs) Alright? The freest of all people are people who who do exactly what they like. The freest of all people are the people who do exactly what they like. I love this. I do this. I can't wait to do this. The truest of all people are the people who are in unity between their inner desire and their outer activity. That is true freedom. I'm doing what I love. I'm doing what I want. I can't wait to do this. What I love inside is what I do on the outside. I choose. I can't wait. And you might think, oh, Jamie, I've got a job I hate. I've got no desire for this job. But then the kingdom freedom is about internal world. That freedom isn't just about the external circumstances all lining up. It's about an internal world where maybe I do the job I hate, but I do it as unto him. So even if I flip burgers, I'm a kingdom burger flipper. <laughs> I, I, I go to a McDonald's often to work and sit in, and there's a lady who works in McDonald's whose capacity to create hospitality and welcome has shifted the whole atmosphere of a whole McDonald's. She knows everybody. She welcomes everybody. But in many ways, do you know what? It's a mundane job. She looks after the toilets and she cleans tables. And she gets paid minimum wage six days a week. She's shifted the whole atmosphere and people come in just to be welcomed. She saves my table for me. She sees me come in. (laughs) She actually gives me stickers so I've got free coffees. (laughs) I don't know if she knows Jesus, but she's doing the job with an attitude that is bringing a kingdom reality, whether she knows it or not. Because her outward circumstances are not necessarily great. 
but her internal world mm. is changing the world around her. Wow. Amen. And so freedom then is about internal world. Secondly, freedom is about ability. It's not just about desire, it's about ability to do the things that we desire to do. So grace, God's supernatural empowerment, gives both desire and ability. See, Christianity isn't just about you stumbled upon a group of people who've got some rules, regulations and some priorities and now you're in and you're gritting your teeth to be just like them. That Christianity is a supernatural work of God. Mm. It's, it's a supernatural being born from above. Mm. Something supernatural happens through the gift of believing in Jesus. Amen. That we don't just transition from I had no morality or I had no rules or I had no goals, now I've got a load. You've transitioned from one realm, one place into another place. You literally go from one kingdom into another kingdom. And so God in his grace doesn't just give new desires, he gives new ability. God doesn't require of us something that our new nature can't accomplish. That we're supernatural beings. We've got a resurrected spirit. We've gone from one realm to another realm. We're a peculiar people on earth. Can't see the kingdom, Jesus says, unless you're born again. Unless you're born again of the spirit. Unless your heart gets changed from a heart of what Jeremiah calls a heart of stone and you get a heart of flesh. That the new birth births in you a brand new set of desires and then gives you the ability to to do the brand new set of desires. And so it's not just, oh, in the kingdom we get, I'm told I've got to love God. No, I get an increasing ability and a desire to love God, to want to be with God, to want to hang out with God, to want to talk with God, to God, to want to trust God. It's this ability that the Bible says to love one another. That's not a gritted teeth, got to do what I don't desire. That's part of the new birth. We get to love one another and we get to love the world. We get to increasingly believe we have got the ability in God because of a new nature to actually transform the world. We've got this new ability within us. That we're not just trying really hard to transform an area. We're growing up and we're believing that we actually carry the innate ability because we're resurrected beings. We've gone from one kingdom to another kingdom. We've gone from one land into another land, into the land of freedom where Jesus is our king. And so that's why we're believing that we're on earth for a purpose, because we've got this desire to see change and we've got this supernatural ability to do things. Hmm. 
So grace empowers us with ability. It's grace is God's action in our lives. It's the new birth, it's the new heart that Jesus imparts life to us. You hang around with Jesus, you get life. The fruit of the Spirit that we'll come on to are love, joy, peace, faithfulness. And, you know, all those things are because we're hanging out with a God who imparts life to us. Those fruit are his nature, not a job description for us to improve and grit our teeth to become more joyful or more loving and try that. That God is a father who says, hey, like, I want you to clean up your room. And then he's the kind of dad who comes down into the room and says, I'll help you tidy up your room. And I'll make it into a game. And I'll make it fun. And then when it's finished, I'll reward you for tidying up your room. (laughs) But it was grace from start to finish. It was grace that told me what you wanted and what you love and what you desire. Then your grace comes down into my situation and empowers me with the capacity and the desire and the ability to tidy my room up. And then you do it with me and through me and for me. And then you give me a huge reward as if I did it all for you. Without your help. He's an amazing, amazing father. So grace gives desire and ability. So the freest of all people are the people who do exactly what they like. So that's the journey. We're going in that journey of transformation where what we love and what we like and what we can't wait to do is what really pleases him. We're on that journey where we start off and... We think, well, I'm not really trusting you and I'm not really surrendering to you and I don't really want to trust you. And he woos us and wins us and draws us. So our desire is, I want to surrender to you. I want to trust you and I want to believe you. So it's desire, it's ability, and then it's opportunity. It's it's not true freedom if there's no opportunity to express it. That Jesus says, right, you're going to do greater works than me. Hey, I'm going to give you an even greater opportunity than I had. You're going to do greater works, greater things. I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to give you a great commission. I'm going to give you the nations, to influence the nations and influence government and influence hospitals and influence different parts of the the society. There's opportunity for you to bring the Great Commission to step out. That every single believer has a race to run and a lane to run in. There are works that God prepared in advance for you to do. There are opportunities that God prepared in advance to you. That grace is going to give you the desire that grace is going to give you the ability and that grace is going to open doors of opportunity for you to run the race that God has called you to run, to run in the lane that God has called you to run in. What he says to us as a local church, he doesn't just keep giving us desire for the kingdom and increasing our ability to grow in the kingdom and to see kingdom breakthrough without giving us increasing spheres of opportunity to express the rule and reign of Christ. So there's opportunity. So if you think of us as a local church, what are we building? We're not building um, a group of spectators, we're building an army. 
There's opportunity for you. Then about you, wherever I am, I want to know I get to play. I want to know there's an opportunity here to be an influence with what I carry and what I bring. I told you the story before, that's why I stopped going to speedway motor racing, because I knew there was never going to be an opportunity for me to go speedway racing. <laughs> Didn't have the ability, had a desire, didn't have the ability because I didn't have a bike, and I knew there wouldn't be any opportunity. I knew you just needed two jumpers and a football, and you could, <laughs> there's the desire. <laughs> I had some ability, and there was an opportunity. There's a race for you to run in, there's a lane for you to race in, there's an opportunity that God has given you to advance His kingdom and have favour and influence in this place. You might say, how does a person grow in favour in this place? How do you grow in favour? How do you grow in opportunity? How do you grow to express the thing that I carry, that I've got, this desire, this ability? And just a few thoughts are, and, and these are things that i found has been key really to how God has promoted me all my life. Is The first one is this, it, this is how you grow in favour. You have to ask yourself, am I a teachable person? Am I a teachable person? That's how you grow in favour. Can I adjust to feedback? That's how I can grow in both my desirability and opportunity. Am I teachable? Can, can I be led as a person? Can I be led as a person? Am I leadable? Another thing that you can grow in favour is, is, am I loyal? Favour grows through loyalty. Every environment I've ever been in, whether I was a leader in the church or led the team in the church or was um, serving in any capacity, was I want to be teachable, I want to be leadable, I want to be loyal. Another thing that you could think is, how, how do I grow in favour here and grow in opportunity is, am I generally in my life, heading in the same direction as these people are heading. That's how you can grow in favour and opportunity. If you know the call of God in your life is to head north, and then you're amongst, about, amongst a group of people who are heading south, you're not heading in the general direction. So you'll always be frustrated. So to find your opportunity, you need to find your people. Who are the, who are the people who are travelling where I'm travelling? Who are the north travelling people? <laughs> another thing that will cause opportunity and favour to grow in your life is when you give yourself sacrificially for the success of the people so when you think right I, I know I'm teachable and I know I'm leadable and I am loyal and I know where this church is going the kingdom and the transformation of things and I, I want that I'm believing for that And so when then you give yourself for the success of that people, that causes favour to grow on your life, an opportunity to grow as you give yourself. Mm. My journey has always been, in any environment I've been in, is, and, and this is not a political reaction, this is just a heart reaction, this is a link between desire and ability, is I would always serve in the base level of anything 
without necessarily any expectation of promotion out of that base level. So I started off making um, orange juices in creche with no ambition or expectation it would lead to anything else. And I still practice that even now, that in any new environment I'm in, I'll be, on the, I'll be making the coffee and serving the cakes mm. without necessarily knowing or expecting or believing it will lead into anything. Servanthood is like, mm. it's like a lightning bolt, bolt <laughs> attractor for growing in favour and opportunity. Yes. Honestly. Culture and core values can be caught on the journey. So in other words, we're all learning what this soil is and what this culture is and what this environment is. You don't have to get the whole culture and understand all the values in order to function in those things. If you take Luke chapter 7, Jesus calls a bunch of people and gives them an opportunity to change the world and to heal the sick and cast out demons. And they go off and they do it. Jesus gives them the desire and the ability to do it. And then they, they come across a village and they, they hear other people talking about Jesus. And he says, they're not one of us, Jesus. They're not part of our group. Shall we call down fire on them? Jesus says, no, that's not really the culture and the values, the way we operate around here. That's not the way we do stuff. We're not going to do that. Oh, okay, Jesus, we don't do the fire thing. No, we don't. No, no. <laughs> but you've still got opportunity. <laughs> I'm not taking your opportunity. I'm just, I'm just giving you some feedback here to see if you're teachable, leadable, and are you loyal. Yeah, we're heading in generally the same direction as you, Jesus. Who's the greatest? <laughs> Jesus, he is. Who's the greatest? Who's going to sit next to you when you come into glory? Oh. No, no, we're, we're, the greatest is the one who becomes like a little child. That's the greatest. Oh, take note of that. <laughs> Go out and they come back and say, Jesus, we did it. We're amazing. The demons submitted to us and the sick were healed. Jesus says, I'm just going to make an adjustment here. Don't rejoice that the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. Be, be teachable, be leadable, be loyal, head in the same direction, give yourself to the success of the group, the people, lay your life down for the success of others, get the culture as you go on the journey. And so you might be someone who thinks, well, I've got the desire and the ability to be, to be pastoral, how do I get to express that? Come and tell us, that's your desire. You might think, I've got the heart and the desire and the ability, I think, to lead a community group. Come and see us. Come and let us know. Because we can't know every desire and every ability that everybody carries. That you know the lane you're called to run in. You know the race that he's called you to run in. You know the ability that you carry. Come and let us know that we might put equipping and opportunities to grow that ability. A free opportunity is one where there's opportunity. A free environment is one where there's opportunity. And the way you grow in your race is you embrace that opportunity. You trust God. You believe God. You obey God. And you take risks to develop the grace and calling on your life. So if you know, actually, I've got this calling to lead a community group or lead a pastoral or other things, take the risk and speak so that others can know about it, so I can know about it, so Tim can know about it. And this is a thing for men and for women, all of us together, believing that we can grow in the favour that we've got. And finally, it's a freedom without regret. Wow. It's a freedom without regret. Yes. Heaven's freedom has no regrets attached to it. 
So, like, for example, you might like skydiving. And you might have the desire to fly 120 miles an hour through the air. And you might even have the ability, because you know someone who's got a plane, and you, you, you know that they, they go every whatever, skydiving, so you've got this desire, and you've got this ability, you've done some whatever they do, that jumping, and you've practiced, and you've got some ability. And you've got an opportunity, because someone's got a plane, and they say, we're going to go jumping on Wednesday, I've got the desire, I've got the ability, now I've got the opportunity. And now you jump out of the plane and you're enjoying that freedom of travelling 120 miles an hour through the air. But if you don't have a parachute, you are not flying, you are falling. You are heading 120 miles an hour to a squish, splat, regret. So we can be out there in society and we're all flying, I'm flying too. I'm flying, I'm flying, I'm doing whatever I like. I'm living all these things. I'm doing what I want, when I want, what I like. I'm the freest of all people. I do exactly what I like, when I like. I love this, I want this, I do this. I'm free. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm doing what I want. I'm free, I'm flying, I'm free. No, you're, And then they look at us, or the believers, and say, you're not really free, are you? No, we... we we are, we're free. There's a song that's going through my head which I was trying to remember. Like the song that was, listen, watching Top of the Pops, and I love pop, okay? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, crit, I'm not crit, critiquing music. I love music, all right? I love it. I love all types of music, particularly music with analog keyboards where there's lead singer can't sing in tune. I love that. That's, that's... <laughs> This song, big song last year, Finders Keepers, it doesn't have to go no deeper. So catchy, great song. What's it about freedom about a one night stand? Doing what I want, when I like. Finders Keepers, doesn't have to be no deeper. Wow. I'm free, doing what I want. It's freedom, it's freedom with regret. If you want to know about the regrets, watch First Date's Restaurant on a Monday night. <laughs> I don't know how, I've watched seven seasons of it. I, I'm absolutely intrigued by that program. I absolutely love it. I, I want to write to the waiter and waitress and say, You love one another, somebody say something. <laughs> but when you listen to the people's stories, they all talk about, I went through this season of finders, keepers, doesn't have to be no deeper. And, I, and then they say, but I want something deeper. Yeah. And I'm kind of hurt and bruised and broken and saddened. I've been betrayed. I've betrayed. I'm broken because I've been flying through the air looking like I was free, but actually I have no parachute. Mm-hmm. And so this chapter really is saying... Freedom then, it's got to be a freedom that's free of self-indulgence. Because it's not true freedom if it destroys you in the end. (laughs) It's not. I don't care what it is. It's not true freedom if that desire and that ability and that opportunity leaves you riddled with regret and heartbroken and sadness. 
And there's no condemnation if you're sitting there thinking, I've been flying without a parachute. Then the kindness of God leads you to change your mind. There's a type of repentance that comes without regret, which is, I'm so sorry, Father. I have been self-indulgent and I've splattered a few times. Sorry. And then he says, oh, you are such a joy. Come on. Come and be close. So, to the end, we get to enjoy heaven's freedom through the ongoing renewal of the mind. Be metamorphosized, be transformed by thinking differently. That's where desire grows, that's where ability grows, that's where opportunity grows, the renewal of the mind. I want to think like you think, God. I want to reason like you reason, God. That my emotions are not the truth. They are an indicator of what I believe. And I want to submit to what you say and how you see things. You get transformed not by trying harder, but by believing truth instead of lies. Yes. You get transformed by being plugged into Holy Spirit in a relationship with God. So if you're dry and you think, I've got no desire, I've got no ability, and check your plugged in. Mm. Check your plug. Mm. Is it in the wall? Are you drawing from God in through worship and just enjoying being with him? And you receive Holy Spirit just through believing and trusting. That How did you receive the Spirit? Well, we just believed that you were available. We believed that you were available. Mm. Just invite us to stand as we finish off and...